It is, it is. All right, well, we are welcoming our online audience. Would you go ahead and clap them in as always? For those that are watching now, those that might watch tomorrow, those that might watch a year from now. Isn't that the beauty of like YouTube? Man, there are messages that I hear, you know, you pull up, I'll listen to like messages on, on YouTube and they'll be like three years old and they smack, you know what I mean? It's, it's amazing how the word of God does that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter like how long it's been. Sometimes a message that has been years old, that is ancient, that's got dust on it can still apply to our lives today. So I encourage you, don't ever think that because a message is old or it's because it's from last year, it's from a couple years ago, doesn't apply to you today. Sometimes we need a message that's old to help us in a moment right now. Amen. But anyway, so I'm, I'm pumped again to, to be able to bring a message this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're actually going to go to the Old Testament today. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep it in the Old Testament. So if you got your Bibles with you, flip with me to the book of Judges chapter 6. The book of Judges, chapter 6. <clears throat> if you're there, say amen. All right, so Judges, chapter 6 says the following. It should be on the, on the, the screen here if you don't happen to have your Bible with you. But it says in verse number 1, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against him and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for the Lord for, for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all those who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you the, their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now it says in verse number 11, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? 
And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. How many times do we not ask God, Lord, if that's you, can you give me a sign? That's not like new things. That's not just us that does this. Man, people have been doing this for a generation. God, if that is you speaking, I don't know, give me a sign. You know, maybe say something on the radio. Have somebody tell me something. Can I see a, an eagle fly by my car right now? Something. Give me anything so that I know that, that it's you. Man. Gideon was in, the, Gideon was in the, the, the same position. And he said to him, if I have now found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from me until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into the house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from Ephath, a flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands in Oprah, which belongs to the Abizrites. I entitled my message this morning, The Missing Piece Part 1. That's all I got. Typically, I, come up, I try to come up with like a witty title or something. I was blank. So I was like, you know what? Part 1. Let's pray real quick, all right? God, we thank you so much for waking us up this morning, giving us life, Lord. Allowing us the opportunity to be able to gather together with our church family, dive into your word. We thank you that we got the freedom to do so, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you open our hearts, soften, soften our hearts, and open our minds as well, Lord, so that we can receive everything that you have for us. Speak to us, Lord. I pray that today, as when we walk out, we're, we're different than how we walked in, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. So how many here could say to me, man, I could sure use a little more peace in my life. I could use a little more peace, right? I'd agree with you. I could use a little more peace in my life. And I say that as though I have like a whirlwind of issues and stuff like that. It sounds so awful. I don't know. No, but I, I'd agree with you. I, I could use a little bit of, of, of peace in my life. But here's the thing, though, is that I, I feel that it's likely that our definition of peace probably differs from each other, you know? My version of peace and what I'm looking for might be a, a lot different than, than yours. For example, maybe I'm in a position where um, I'm in need of some serious financial peace, like Dave Ramsey. Man, I could use some financial. I need, I need some help in the financial department. 
If I could, if I could have some peace there, maybe that differs from you. Maybe, maybe you're, you're okay in that department and that's, that's fine. You got things situated. You're, you're squared away. But for you, relational peace, maybe, maybe relationship wise, whether with your spouse or your kids or your coworkers, your friends or family, maybe there's a, a bit of turmoil there and you could sure use a little bit of relational peace. Maybe, um, Maybe for some of us, it's uh, it's professional peace. Like you, you're struggling career-wise. I don't know. Like you're trying to find your ground. You're trying to find your footing. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. I, you know, I've been with this company for years, and I just don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. Maybe you could use some professional peace. Or maybe some of us just need a little peace of mind. You know, got anxiety, man. Like I'm anxious. I'm nervous a lot. You know. There's, there's, there's confusion, there's uncertainty in the air. And I feel like if I look around, it's to no avail because nobody's got answers because everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's anxious, everybody's nervous, everybody's looking at each other like, what's happening, what do we do? Man, I could use, I could use some, some peace of mind. Uh, maybe some of us are, are struggling spiritually. You know, our relationship with the Lord isn't what it once was, or maybe it's just non-existent. Maybe we're struggling with, uh, with uh, feelings of regret, of regret, knowing that we've dropped the ball, messed things up, and we feel like there's no way, there's no way that, that God could look to me and see me as one of his own. There's no way that he can offer grace and forgiveness to me because I've, I've messed it up that much, too much, far too much. So spiritually, I could, I could use some, some peace. The fact of the matter is that if you ask five people, could you use some peace in your life? and they say yes, I guarantee you that if you ask five people, you might get five different responses, right? You might get five different responses. So then it, it begs the question, what exactly is peace? What's peace? Like at its simplest form, what is peace? Um, is it silence? So Brianna and I have this thing where we'll put the kids down to sleep. You know, we'll, we'll bathe them, we'll put them to sleep, and then we'll go downstairs and we'll just sit in silence. You know what I mean? We don't have Disney Plus playing. I don't have Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I don't have a three-year-old that's bouncing off the walls and his little sister that is becoming increasingly more mobile, chasing him. Like there's no screaming, there's no children, the toys are put away, you know, it's not like mayhem, it doesn't feel like a circus in my house anymore because we finally put them down. And so we sit downstairs sometimes and we look at each other and we're like, you good? I'm good. We made it. Another day. Peace and quiet. We'll look at each other and we'll say, finally, some peace and, peace and quiet, right? So is it that? Is it the silence? I don't think it's silence. I don't think it's silence because how about, how about all the times that I've been laying in bed in silence, but I'm staring at the ceiling because my mind is like in turmoil. And I'm comfortable too. I have a soft bed. I like a pillow top. Some people prefer a little bit more firm. I'm not about that. I like a pillow top. So it's like a little cloud. And I'm sitting there in silence Comfortable, physically comfortable, but in absolute turmoil. No peace. No peace. So it's not silence. It can't be. It can't be silence. 
All right, I got it. Peace. Hear me out. Peace is a lack of drama in our life. Huh? Huh? Some people are like, yeah, right? A lack of drama, it's a lack of drama, and it's a lack of problems. No drama, no problems. My bills are paid, right? My career in the business is booming. I'm, you know, we're good in that department. I have savings, you know, got money in the bank, I'm good. Me and my family, we're healthy. You know, I got the car that I want. It works. Everyone is safe. Everyone is happy. My marriage is the best that it's ever been. The kids are getting A's. The dog is built like a horse. The cat has nine lives. That's peace. That is peace, right? It's got to be peace. I don't think that's peace. I think that's a flipping fantasy, right? Because truly, I mean, like, really, realistically, when have we ever arrived there? When have we ever had that, felt that, that everything, everything, it doesn't matter what it was, everything was squared away. There was no drama. There was no problem. There was no issues. I'm sorry. That's a fantasy. That's a fantasy. We'll never be without drama. We're never going to be without problems. It's the nature of being alive. It's the nature of being a human and being in this world and interacting with other people and, and, and living with people. People bring problems. They just do. Some people bring more problems than others. But unless you're a recluse and live in a, under a rock or in the mountains or something, as so long as you're in this world and you're engaging and you're doing life, you're going to face some problems. And even if you were hiding in the mountains, chances are there's going to be problems that are going to chase you over there. Whether it be health problems, who knows? The fact of the matter is, is that we're never going to be without drama. There's always going to be something. So, so then what's peace? What is peace? We're back to square one. It's not silence. It's not comfort. And it sure as heck isn't problems, the lack of problems, because truth be told, we're always going to have problems. You're either wrapping up a problem or about to walk into a problem. You're, you're, you're in one, one or the other. So in the, in the book of Judges, we, we read the story of Gideon. Now, at, at this point in the book of Judges, the Israelites had yet again sinned against the Lord, resulting in the Lord handing them to the Midianites for seven years. This is actually the fourth time that the Israelites had sinned against the Lord. The Israelites had this really bad knack of being delivered by God, sinning against God, realizing that they dropped the ball, turning to God, God saving them and delivering them. The Israelites sinning against God, them realizing that they sinned against God. They turn back to God. God saves them. And this cycle went again and again and again. And so now we're in the fourth cycle, the fourth ring of this, right? And so the Israelites sinned against God, and he hands them over to the Midianites. Now, this is an agrarian society, right? Agrarian people. What do they do? They plant vegetables, and that is where they derive their sustenance from. They plant things, right? So they plant things on an annual basis, and every year during harvest time, without fail, the Midianites and the Amalekites and those from the east would come in and lay waste to their land. 
So much so that it says that the Israelites would find themselves hiding in caves, in dens, out of fear of the Midianites. Because not only could they not get away from these people, but man, they kept, they kept ravishing everything that they were working. They, these people could not get ahead. They would plant only to have it stolen from them. Not only would they have their plants stolen from them, they'd have their livestock stolen from them. It doesn't mention that people were hurt, but I can only guarantee you that those transactions of stealing things weren't exactly peaceful. So you can understand that these the the israelites were in a place of absolute turmoil year after year after year for seven years it says they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as gaza and leave no sustenance in israel and no sheep or ox or donkey for they would come up with their livestock and their tents they would come like locusts in number so these people were plenty. The Midianites, the Amalekites, those from the east would come in in hordes, in hordes, and they would just lay waste to the land. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. For seven years, these poor people could not get ahead. They couldn't move forward. Seven years they experienced absolute oppression from the Midianites and the Amalekites. They experienced loss and fear to the point where the scripture said that Israel was brought very low because of, the Midian, because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried for help to the Lord. Right? So what, is, what does the Lord do? He sends them a prophet. And when he sends them a prophet, the prophet comes and he pretty much lays down a simple message for them. He says, the Lord delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians. He delivered them from those that oppressed them. He gave them their land. He told them not to fear the God of the Amorites. And the Israelites disobeyed God. So the only reason, really, truly, that the Israelites found themselves in the position that they were in was a direct result of their disobedience to God. Right? So I'd like to camp here for just a second. Just a second. Now hear me out. I believe that sometimes a lack of peace in our lives is our own doing. Simply said, Sometimes the lack of peace in whatever facet, relational, financial, career-wise, spiritual, whatever, the lack of peace that we experience in our lives is sometimes, can sometimes be attributed to no one else but us, right? So perhaps prior to banging on the windows of heaven and asking God, why did you forsake me? Like, why, why did you turn your back on me? Hello, where are you? Maybe, perhaps, just a suggestion. We should ask ourselves, did I play any part or am I actively playing a part in the current lack of peace in my life? So we are experts. I mean, just absolute experts at at passing the book, right? We just are. It's human nature. We don't like, we don't like getting called out, 
right? We don't like getting put on blast. We don't want anybody, uh, you know, airing out our dirty laundry, calling us out for our, for our shortcomings. And so we, we're really good at passing the buck. We're, we're, we're really good at saying that, you know what, this, the problem, the, the situation that I'm experiencing right now, it can't possibly be me, right? It's my, it's my spouse. Man, I can't get through to her. I don't know. I, just, like, I, just, I don't even know what she's doing anymore. It's the kids. Oi, the kids are driving me nuts. They're, they're unhinged. I don't know what they're doing. It's my job. Yeah. Yeah, it's the company. You know, it's, the, it's my boss. My boss has been passing me up for, for years. Yeah, it's her. She's got it out for me. I really think that, right? It's the economy. You know, it's the government. It's Biden. It's my coworkers. But it's never us, right? Never us. It, it's never, it's never our, our anger right? It's never our closed-mindedness. It's not that. It's not, it's not my own laziness or my own lack of discipline. It's never my sarcasm that always leads to an argument, right? It's never my tendency to procrastinate. It's not that. Can't possibly be it. It's not my own negativity. It's not, it's not my inability to hear an opinion that's different than mine. It's not that. It's, it's not my pride. It's never my own blatant disobedience of God. The problem does not lie with me. Clearly, it can't be. I can't imagine it. Church, if, if, we, if we're incapable of realistically considering ourselves as a potential culprit for the lack of peace in our lives, then we may as well just get used to not having peace. We, may, we like, don't complain. Don't complain. Don't even bring it up. If we, if we can't stop for a moment and put our guard down, put our pride down and say to ourselves, you know what? Let me just, maybe it is me. Maybe, maybe I've been pointing the finger for so stinking long that, that I've, I've lost sight of the fact that, you know what? I am a contributing force in this situation. Maybe it's you and your spouse. I mean, it takes... Two to tango here, you know? It's a give and take here. And I'm sorry, but there is, there is no world, real world scenario where the problem is solely with one party. There's always, there's always some contribution from both ends. And so can we stop for a moment and put down our stinking fences and guards and, and say, you know what? Maybe, maybe it did, you know, throw a little gas into this fire. Maybe I did do it. Maybe it is because I, I am snippy. I am. I, I can't snap. You know, I, I can get angry sometimes. Maybe I can make a sarcastic remark as opposed to just answering somebody straight, knowing, all, knowing that, that that gets her upset or that gets him upset. Maybe it's, it, you know, may, I can be sometimes closed-minded. I like to do things my way. I don't like any other way, but that has led me to problems. Can we do that? Are we able to do that? Because if we're not, then we have no reason to complain. No reason to complain. Ah, I lack peace relationally. Yeah, well, you also lack the ability to perhaps consider yourself as part of the problem. Let's handle that first. And then maybe we could see some progress. Look at what I, I, Isaiah 57, 20, 21 says. I, I didn't send it in the back, so uh, I, I'll just read it out. It says, but the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There's no peace. There's no peace. 
you're living in just absolute objective disobedience to the way that God you, has designed us to, to, to live and, and the way that he's commanded us and called us to live, when we, when we live outside of that, there's no peace. Are you in disobedience? Because if so, don't expect peace. It's interesting. It's become um, super commonplace in our, in our generation to associate a relationship with God otherwise known as religion. Everybody calls it religion. Oh, that's, it's religion. It, it's become commonplace to associate in our generation this relationship with God with the lack of, with the lack of freedom, right? I've always kind of found that funny, and, and, and I see it so much more now. It's almost, it feels as though it's even more blatant now than it ever has been. You see it depicted in movies and shows and stuff like that. There is just this objective, just absolute denial, rejection of all things scriptural, right? Because of this view that Christianity is restrictive. Why can't I do what I want? Why can't I make my own rules, embrace what is, okay, wicked by biblical standards, but why can't I just do my own thing? Why is it that it has to be this way? Why do I have to live in this way under these, parameter, these parameters? Not to get super dark here, but it's funny because uh, if you if you like research different religions and all this kind of stuff, if you look at Satanism, which is super dark here, the the tagline, the the view, the the theology, if you will, of Satanism is "Do as thou wilt, just do what you want, just just do it, like be be free, go do do whatever you want," and you can, by all means, go ahead, do what you want. But here's the rub. When, when order and structure is removed, when disobedience to God's word and ways become commonplace, chaos ensues. It ensues. And peace forever evades you. Forever. Making, making my own rules and, and doing what I want is an absolute slippery slope. It's an absolute slippery slope. But when, but when we align ourselves with God and his commandments, his order, the way that he's called us to live and engage with others, peace comes. Peace comes. Isaiah 48, 18 says, Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, and then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. God's commandments and, and relationship with him is not designed to be restrictive. Let's, let, let me be clear about this. It's not designed to be restrictive and oppressive. It's meant to provide order and stability in a world that chaos runs rampant in. That's, that's what it does. One of the benefits of living a life tied with God is that I have order in my life. I have a design, a framework from which to live my life. When that is removed and I do what I want, I am left to my own devices. Chaos always ensues. Because I needed something that's not human. I needed something that was godly, something outside of this world to tell me, this is the way that you do it. This is right and this is wrong. This is how you engage. This is not how you engage. Because if I leave it to a human, to another person, to tell me how to live my life, it is a guarantee that they will lead me down a road that I will ultimately not want to be on. God provides order. He provides structure. He provides a framework. Because if not... 
when I, when I remove that, what do I do? I undermine my own peace. So where is peace found? It's found in aligning ourselves with him and living a life of obedience. Peace is found in living a life of obedience to God and his commandments in the way that he's called us to live. That's where peace is found. But there's more, though. There's more to it than that. Gideon is in a state of fear, as were the rest of the Israelites, right? He was beating out wheat in a wine press. I got to be honest with you. I don't really know what that means because I have never in my life beat wheat anywhere, right? I pay people to do that. When you go to the grocery store, you know, you know what I'm saying. But beating wheat was never done in a wine press. It was always done out in the open. Why? Because the wind would come in and blow the chaff away. So he was beating wheat in a wine press, which is essentially like this pit. And the reason that he was doing that was because he didn't want to be out in the open. He wanted to be hid. He, he, he didn't want to be visible, potentially, by a passing Midianite. That's how fearful these people were. They, that that, that they, they didn't even want to do their job out in the open because they knew that there was people lurking that were there that were taking people, that, that, that were absolutely just running amok on their society, on their, on their, on their, 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 their harvests. So he didn't want to be out in the open. So notice the conversation that Gideon has with the Lord. It says in verse number 12, And the Lord and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our father recounted to us? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us to the hand of Midian. It's interesting. It's been seven years of torment, and Gideon's first reaction when he comes in and faces with the angel of the Lord is to wonder, why'd you leave us? Again, back to my original point. Sometimes we are incapable of saying, all right, what was it that we did that perhaps contributed to where we are right now? And the Lord uh, turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the only, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. So he asks, he asks the Lord to show him a sign. And the scriptures say the following, after, you know, he brings out the mean and he brings out the unleavened bread, Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. Which translates to Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Nothing about Gideon's situation changed instantly, right? After that conversation with the Lord, nothing, nothing changed on the drop of a hat. He has this experience, but nothing, it's not, it's not like the whole world shifted. He still had to recruit men to fight the Midianites. He still had to convince them that he heard from the Lord. Now mind you, it's been years. It's been years. 
years since they've been living in fear. And now Gideon has the, has the responsibility of trying to convince uh, his fellow uh, tribesmen, hey guys, I heard from the Lord, we're going to go fight Midian, he's going to deliver them to us. So now he had that to do. Changed instantly in Gideon's circumstances and situation, and yet Gideon builds an altar in that moment, and he calls it Jehovah Shalom. He calls it the Lord is peace. Why did he do that? Despite the fact that his circumstances were still the same. He did it. He did it because peace is not contingent upon our circumstances. He did it because God was close to him. And God, by his very nature, is peace. And so if we've accepted Jesus by faith, and he, and we've asked him into our hearts, right? Like we do at the end of the service, and he resides in us, and he is close, then there is no reason why we shouldn't be experiencing peace in our lives. There's no reason why we shouldn't have peace in our lives. But if we've accepted Christ, right, and we still don't have peace, then perhaps we're either living in disobedience, perhaps, or maybe we've simply lost sight or faith in the fact that Jesus is always close, regardless of the circumstance. So which one are you then? Where, where, where are you at? Do you, do you lack peace because you dropped the ball? Because you've lived in disobedience? Because you've messed things up? Either purposefully or, you know, maybe you didn't mean to. Is it because you've, you've done something that peace now evades you? This is, a, this is a moment of like having to have a genuine moment of self-reflection. Is it, did you do this? It could, did, you, did you do something that may have led you to the position that you're at now? You know, maybe you made a number of bad financial moves. And yeah, yeah there, there, is, there is, you know, a lack of peace in your life because of that. Okay? But, but we could recognize that it was... It was you. There's no shame in that. I think that's the step one of finding progress. Could it have been me that I, I'm the one? I'm the one that started the argument. I have no, no, no peace in my, in, my, in my marriage right now, but I'm the one that typically is the one that's stirring the pot. Could it, have been, could it have been me? Am I the one that's in disobedience? If that's the case, then Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So I say to you, if you lack peace in your life because of something that you've done, I'm not here to condemn and I'm not here to point the finger and say, oh, hey, hey straighten up, man. I'm not. I'm here to encourage you to go boldly in the throne room of grace, and ask God, God, forgive me. I've dropped the ball. I recognize that it was me. I lack peace in my life because of something I've done. I need you, Lord, not number one, to forgive me, to provide me grace, and now to help me in this situation. And he'll bring help. 
and he'll bring help. But first, we got to call it out, though, if it was us, right? Do you lack peace because you dropped the ball? Or maybe do you lack peace because your faith is withered? Because you've lost sight of the fact that despite the craziness in this world, God is with you in the thick of it. The thick of it. To you, I would say what John 16, says, this is Jesus, the words of Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says it himself. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have problems. You are. Just, get, just brace yourself. It's going to happen. But behold, I have overcome the world. In the midst of your struggles, God is with you. He is actually with you. And if God is with you and God by his nature is peace, then you should experience peace. But perhaps your faith is low. And perhaps you've lost sight of the fact that he's with you. And maybe you're thinking that in the midst of your situation right now, you're fighting it alone. Maybe you think that this is me. He's, he's not interested in, in whatever situation it is that I'm going through right now. That could not be farther from the truth. So what is peace? What is peace? Randy, can I have you up? What's peace? Well, peace, it's not... It's not silence, right? And it's not comfort. Peace is not perfect circumstances. It's not. It's not perfect circumstances. Peace is having faith in the fact that Jehovah Shalom is close. The highs and the lows in the thick of it. It's having faith in the fact that Jehovah Shalom is close, and thus, I live in a way that honors him. That's where I find my peace. It's faith, and it's works. Like we read in the book of James. The two are tied together. It's faith, and it's works. So I ask... Where are you? Do you lack peace because you've dropped the ball? Do you lack peace because you've lost faith? Maybe it's a little bit of both. And that happens. But fortunately, we have a God whose mercies are new every day. We have a God that if we come to him and recognize the fact that we've dropped the ball, there's grace and there's forgiveness. And we have a God that has never left us He's never forsaken us. Even though we may have felt as though he has, he never has. And so if you're in a situation right now in your life where you feel as though, man, this, honestly, things can't get any worse. The waves are crashing against the boat here. Like I just, I, I feel as though I have no stability. Have you put your faith in him, in the rock, the rock of your salvation? Are your eyes solely fixated on the problem and the lack of peace? Or can we perhaps fixate our eyes on the one that has never left us nor forsaken us? 
Because the fact of the matter is that he's there, he's present, and he's available in the thick of it, in the moment, in the difficulty, in the challenge, in the lack of peace that you're experiencing right now. He is there. And when we realize that he's there and we have faith in the fact that he is there, it's impossible for us not to have peace because it's his very nature. So which one are you? Where are you at? Where are you at? It's the faith in knowing that Jehovah Shalom is close and thus living in a way that honors him. Tied together. That's where I find my peace. Stand with me this morning, would you? And God is good. He is good. All the time. And his peace surpasses understanding, man. It doesn't, it shouldn't make sense. You know, it shouldn't make sense because it's, it's easy to confuse peace as silence and lack of problems and issues and stuff like that. It's sitting lakeside in the mountains or on the beach somewhere. That's peace. It's not, though, because we're not always at the beach and we're not always lakeside. We're sitting in our cubicle on Mondays. And we're sitting at our dining room table paying bills. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to pay for college for the kids. And we're sitting in traffic arguing with the person in front of us who will not go, and it's a green light. And we're dealing with in-laws and children, and people that are frustrating. And we have people in Washington that clearly have no idea what they're doing, regardless of what side of the aisle they stand on. We have countries that are popping off. There's fear, and God knows you can't turn on the TV because you're going to feel like your days are numbered. Peace was never designed to be some circumstantial thing like that. It's just not. Even Jesus says it, that we're going to have troubles. So we need to understand that we got to do away with that set of thinking. We got to be able to experience peace in the thick of that. That's real peace. That's true peace. That's peace that is beside the point. Whatever else is going on, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I could be in good health or I could be in bad health. I could have money or not have money. I could have a job or not have a job. The kids could be falling in line or they could be walling out. Maybe I've played a part in that. Maybe I haven't. Who knows? But I know that Jesus resides in me. And I know that I'm doing my best to live in obedience and according to his word. And if you've done that, you put your faith in that, and you can rest assured that despite how wavy it might feel, he's with you. And he can provide you rest. He can provide you rest. Let's uh, bow our heads this, um, this morning. If you're here and you say to me, hey man, I've had a lack of peace in my life. And sitting here and thinking about it, if I am honest with myself, I know that I have played a role in my lack of peace.
I know that I've done that in some way, shape, or form. Or if you're sitting here and you're saying, I, I've been experiencing a lack of peace in my life, but I think it's because I've lost, I've lost sight of the fact that Jesus is with me. I've lost, my faith has, been, has withered a little bit. If you're one or the other, or both, would you raise your hand with me this morning? Amen. Amen. That's cool, man. It's good to call it out. I thank you for those that raise their hands, for being honest, for being straightforward. Sometimes it is a little bit of both. Tyler was talking this morning how it's so easy to get distracted. And it is. It is so easy to get distracted. So sometimes we need to come to church and hear a word just to kind of recalibrate and realign. So I'm here this morning to tell you, look, if you've dropped the ball, come to him. And if you've lost your faith, then kindle that faith of yours. Stir it up inside of you. Dive into his word. Recognize the fact that he is with you. Put some praise and worship music on. You don't need the band to enter into his presence. You just need to spend some time with him. Talk to him. Pray to him. Bring him in. Allow him in and you'll realize that he is close. And when you sense that closeness, you experience that peace. Father God, I, I thank you this morning for those that raised their hands. And I thank you for those that are watching our line, that are, that are, that are hearing this and, and thinking to themselves, you know what, I have played a part in the lack of peace in my life. I've been the one that's done it. I have, I have contributed to this. Or perhaps those that are like, you know what, my faith has kind of grown cold. My faith has kind of like fallen through a little bit. And that's the reason that I'm lacking, I'm lacking peace in my life. I thank you for those that are bold enough to recognize it, Lord. But I pray, Lord, for those that have perhaps dropped the ball, I pray, Lord, that you would show them that all they need to do is just come to you, ask for forgiveness, go to that throne room of grace and ask for help, Lord, and you meet their needs in their time of needs. And for those that need faith, Father God, I pray that you start a new fire in their heart, Lord, a new fire in their soul, Lord, so that they know they have the assurance that you are close. And in knowing that and having faith in that and living according to your word, we can experience peace. We can experience peace. We thank you, Lord, that peace is not circumstantial. Peace is not based on how good things are, Father God, because it's not as though you leave us when things are good or you leave us when things are bad or you're here when they're good and you're not there when they're bad. It doesn't, that's not it at all, Father. You are here and you are present. The moment that we ask you into our heart, we make you the Lord and Savior of our lives. You reside in us. You are here and you are present. You aren't going anywhere, Lord. We thank you, Father, that your word says that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, Father. So if there are those that are watching and that are here this morning that are going through a situation, I pray, Father God, that you encourage them and remind them that they are not alone in that fight, Father, but they are with you. You are actively with them, Lord, through this situation, through the circumstances, through the highs and through the lows, Lord. And in that, we could find peace. In that, we could find peace. We thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning, as always, if 
You've either never accepted Christ into your heart like we've discussed, asked Jesus to reside in you, or you've fallen off the wagon. You've, you know, you've, been, you, you've done the church thing, and then you stepped away, and now you're coming back, and you're recognizing the fact that, you know what? When I'm away from God, I don't have peace. I don't have structure. I don't have order. I need God in my life. If that is you this morning, and you'd either like to accept Jesus for the first time, or you'd like to rededicate your life to him, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're watching online, if you're here this morning, we're going to pray together as a church family. And we're going to ask the Lord to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. We're going to make him first and foremost. Would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I recognize the fact that I've dropped the ball. I need grace and I need forgiveness. Forgive me, Lord. And I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I put you first this day. I thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let me pray with y'all as we, as we close. God, again, I thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you for your word. And we thank you that you're in this, in this thing with us, in this life with us. You're in the thick of it with us, Father. Bolster our faith, Lord. Give us, give us the, the wisdom and the boldness to recognize if we are contributing adversely to the peace in our lives. Mold us, shape us, challenge us, Father. Remind us above all else, Lord, that you, you're always with us, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are the rock of our lives. And we can count on you. We can rest in you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Would you love on somebody this morning?